Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. Episode 5 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football, joined tonight by my co-host, Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. I am Price Atkinson. Welcome to another episode where we had some things that we expected and we had one thing that we didn't expect to transpire over the weekend. We'll tell you about it. We got to give out our game balls this week. We got our Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment that we will do. And we will look ahead to this coming weekend. And it's a big one because it is the first leg, the opening leg of the commander in chief trophy. That would be Navy and air force doing battle in Colorado Springs. We will preview that game, tell you all about it, give you our picks for our games this coming weekend. Boy, a lot of excitement reigning around college football. I know not in the state of Florida where my guys, Steve and Mike are, as Ian is bearing down guys. Prayers to you guys down there in the greater Tampa area. I was going to say, you're saying that football is raining down. <laughs> There's going to be more rain here on the West Coast of Florida than anybody will want. But yes, it is definitely uh, thoughts time for, for all of us down here that are getting ready to ride out the storm. Should be a, a wild week, uh, to say the least. Well, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys and everybody down there. As, uh, Ian is headed that way. I know it's causing some havoc with uh, some college football games there locally. I know we've already had a couple high school games here in the upstate of South Carolina postponed Friday night. I think they're going to try and play them on Thursday. Uh, but we, we certainly are thinking about everybody and you guys, especially down there in greater Tampa, St. Pete and all, all around the state of Florida, because it looks like it's going to be nasty. But before we get going on this episode, guys of yards and stripes is we are part of the college gridiron coast to coast podcast network this year might tell our loyal listeners about ticket smarter. Thank you, Price. College football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. We here at Yards and Stripes want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their fantastic mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace across multiple sports. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as their official ticket resale partner as well. With the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. And, and, and Price, as you mentioned, if anybody watched that Texas Tech-Texas game or the Tennessee-Florida game, or if you've ever been to Army-Navy, you know the power of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. No siree. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter app or at the ticketsmarter.com and remember our code gridiron22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. Price back to you. Thank you Michael. Let's take a look at our games 
this past weekend. Let's start in Colorado Springs, Friday night affair as the Air Force Falcons hosting the Nevada Wolfpack. And gentlemen, this one was pretty much over before it even began. Air Force 48 to 20, a bludgeoning of the Wolfpack as Air Force gets their first Mountain West Conference the victory of the season. They improved a three and one overall, one and one in the Mount West Conference, a butt whipping from the very start. I know that Nevada scored early in the second quarter, a 10 play 75 yard drive, took almost five minutes off the clock after Air Force took a 10 0 lead. That cut it to 10 7. After that, it was all Air Force and probably what I should say, it was all Brad Roberts, who was in full effect, rumbling for 123 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. What an effort by the Falcons. Not a single turnover, just five penalties, time of possession. They had the ball almost 44 minutes, thanks to 10 of 15 on third down and three of three, perfect on fourth down. Mike, your take on this game, by an impressive showing by the Falcons. Yeah, I don't want to give away my game ball too early in the recap, but it was an impressive showing by the Air Force offense. You mentioned Brad Roberts with 123 yards. Uh, they had another running back. They had two 100-yard rushers. Hazik Daniels had was 0 for 2, no passing yards, although they did have a uh, running back toss an 80-yard uh, pass for a touchdown on the third drive of the game. Most impressive to me, look, bottom line is Air Force came into this game the better team, the more talented team. The, the most impressive thing for me for the Falcons was to see their bounce back after that really disappointing Wyoming loss which might harm them in the, in the Mountain West Conference standings later in the year. Uh, if you have a game like that that you know you just let go and that you know could cause problems later in the season, oftentimes a team like this might get down on themselves, lose focus a little bit. Air Force came out extremely focused. You mentioned almost perfect in every phase of the game. Very few penalties. The offense was unstoppable. Defense, uh, you know, not not as sharp as the offense, but still in a game where they led, I think, 41 to 14 at one point, you know, the, the defense was fine. They did what they had to do. So to me, the offense was impressive. But to me, the bounce back, the focus, the resiliency after that disappointing loss against Wyoming uh, was really the most impressive thing for me. Steve? Yeah, I, for me, and I know that Mike talked about how the defense wasn't quite as sharp as the, the offensive side of the football was for the Falcons. But you look, they took advantage of Nevada's mistakes. Nevada's first drive, they're moving. They make a stupid penalty. It forces them into a punt. You know, second drive, they, they end up, they have a, a, a little less uh, success uh, against uh, Nevada's offense, but they end up bowing up around midfield, force another punt. And on both of those uh, drives, they go for touchdowns. All of a sudden, it's 17-7 uh, as opposed to 17-10. Uh, and uh, I, I really do think that you know the, the defense did uh, enough against a team that they were clearly better than. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's all really you can ask for uh, when you have a team that is so severely outmatched as Nevada was on all aspects of the football. I think we were all kind of surprised when the uh, when the number came out uh, before, and we talked about it at the very end of last week's show, uh, the the money line for for Air Force in this game was something around like seventeen minus seventeen thousand. Uh, they definitely did not want you uh, betting on Air Force in this game, and I think the 
the line ended up being about 24. Uh, and so, and you look at it, it was 48, 20. So it was, it was a four touchdown game, uh, on the offense. And, and I certainly think that when you, when you have the, the players that the, that the Falcons did in that, uh, especially early on to give them that early and, and to go from 10, seven to 41, uh, 14, uh, by the time the, uh, the fourth quarter came around, uh, you know, they did everything that they were asked of. Uh, by uh, by Coach Calhoun and his assistants. Mike, one thing that has really impressed me, and he did so again on, on Friday night, John Lee Eldridge III, junior slot back, running back uh, out of Youngstown, Ohio. He's just 5'9", 200 pounds, has incredible vision, fantastic speed. He was another guy besides Roberts that went over 100 yards, eight carries, 102 yards. 12.8 yards per carry this season he has rushed 379 yards on 37 carries. He's averaging just over 10 yards per carry. You know, he's only got one touchdown, a guy that's giving them yet another playmaking element. You've got Roberts. We know what Daniels can do. Emmanuel Michelle has had his moments, but boy, the balance that what I saw out of John Lee Eldridge again, um, the combination of a lot of different things, this guy looks like one of the better running backs to come through, at least in terms of combination, size, speed, vision, everything that you look for. This guy is incredibly impressive in giving them yet another weapon on offense. Absolutely, Price. And when you run an offense, triple option, flex bone, uh, you know, of the triple option elk, when you have a quarterback like Hazik Daniels who has experience and can make – uh, good decisions routinely and has the athletic ability to make plays with both his legs and your arms. And you have Brad Roberts running up the middle, controlling the middle game, the dive game. And then you add in that element, like you talked about of John Lee Eldridge, who is definitely a threat on the outside, that that's the three components that makes a triple option uh, type offense work, particularly when you're running a flex bone style. You got Hazik Daniels with decision-making can throw it. You got Roberts in the middle and now, now teams have to scheme against Eldridge on the outside. That is uh, that that that's a death threat for a defense scheming for this because ideally you want to stop one thing. We talked about Army's first two losses, Coastal Carolina, UTSA, really focused on stopping that dive offense, making the quarterback win the game with his run game, and they were successful in that. Now with Air Force, you have to stop Daniels, you have to stop Roberts, and you have to stop Eldridge. That's really hard for a defense to do against this type of offense. 461 yards rushing, 14 different guys carrying the football for Air Force, the nation's leading rushing team as a squad. Again, 48 to 20 as the Falcons roll over Nevada as they now await the midshipmen to come into Falcon Stadium on Saturday. I don't think you can be really playing much better football than the way Air Force is getting ready for this first leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. Outside, if you could have that Wyoming game back and, you know, get rid of that uh, one loss there in the L column and be 4-0. All right, let's pivot to the American Athletic, and let's look at the Navy midshipmen. They get off the snide. Holy cow, who saw this coming? Because, guys, I sure as heck did not. The midshipmen go into Greenville, North Carolina, and they get a 23-20 victory in double overtime against East Carolina. Navy now one and two overall, one and one in the American Athletic Conference. 
it was uh, it was it was ugly at times as the teams turned for home in the fourth quarter, tied three to three before East Carolina. Um, they get a long touchdown pass, but Navy answers right back after a 67-yard touchdown pass early in the fourth for East Carolina on the very next drive. Ty Lavatai finding Vincent Terrell. Uh, junior over the middle takes it 65 yards to the house the longest pass play of Lavatai's career and the first touchdown for Terrell uh, gets Navy back in the game ties it up at 10 to 10 this thing goes to overtime and the story of this one for me not just the win but the way they went about it Bijan Nichols who has been Navy's kicker pretty much since his freshman year I would dare say maybe that one of the best if not the best kicker in Navy school history um, his injured again, doesn't play. So senior kicker Daniel Davies, who was third string to begin the week, had never attempted a field goal or a point after in college. He kicks three field goals in the game, including the, a 43-yarder to send it to overtime and then the 29-yard game-winning field goal in double overtime. Daniel Davies saves the day, a guy from out of nowhere, as Navy comes out of nowhere in a game, I honestly thought they had no prayer to win, but Navy gets it done 23 to 20 in double overtime. Steven, I know you're excited. I see it right now. Yeah, raise the roof, <laughs> baby. Going into Greenville once again and coming out with a victory. Now 5-0 and are the midshipmen in East Carolina uh, over the course of the, of the uh, school's history. Uh, you know, I, I was shocked. Uh, I think the the three of us all talked about it last week that this would be the true test of the Navy midshipmen is you know we, uh, and really the history and, and the future of Ken Niamatololo as the head coach is you know can he come up with a way to come out of Greenville with a win and get to one and two because if they start the year uh, with a, an zero and three record with air force looming on the horizon and let, let's uh, not to, not to kind of jump the gun a little bit, yeah. but I think most of us think that air force is going to come out on top in that game. But if they lose in East Carolina, now you're staring Owen four in the face with the rest of the uh, American athletic conference schedule. And let's face it, it gets tougher after East Carolina. Uh, and then with army at the end, you know, I, I'd be very scared to see what Navy's record looked like come, you know, Thanksgiving uh, if they hadn't won in Greenville. Now I start to feel a little better about themselves in conference play. Uh, and you, I, you mentioned uh, Vincent Terrell Jr. What an incredible catch and run to get away from uh, East Carolina's secondary, which, yes, they're, they're not Alabama and they're not. Uh, Georgia, they're not, they're not even Texas A&M, uh, and really they're not even North Carolina or, or App State, but uh, I certainly think that, uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty talented secondary that he ran away from for uh, that 63-yard touchdown pass. Mike, I'm not going to go nitpick things at all, like Steve just talked about. I mean, this was – you lose this one, I mean, you're just in a death spiral, um, I mean, proverbially, and – you know, you find a way, which I don't. None of the three of us thought they would. Um, you know, Navy still struggled to run the football. Uh, did I think they finished with 191 on the ground, um, averaging not even three yards per carry? 
again, you're running the triple option offense and you pretty much run the ball almost every play. You're still only totaling up 191 yards on 66 carries, 2.9 per tote. I mean, Labatai throws it 152 yards, 7 to 10. I know you don't ever want to get into that kind of, you know, you're throwing the ball five times a game. That's plenty. But the fact you're still having trouble running the football. Yeah, you got the win. And that's all you at the end of the day you really care about. You had more points on the scoreboard than the other team if you're Navy. But still, there's some things to be concerned about as you get ready to turn and go into Colorado Springs. Absolutely, Price. You took the uh, numbers right out of my mouth. 191 yards on 66 carries, uh, less than three yards. I, I'm I'm a little I'm still a little bit bearish on Navy. I'm not going to get too uh, too excited about Navy's future after this game. If if you watched that game, you saw East Carolina. You know, I, I hate to use this term, but East Carolina looked like they were sleepwalking. I don't know why. They've got USF coming up next, and then Tulane after that. It's it's not like they're going on the road. Uh, to play NC State or, or, or another Power 5 team. Uh, ECU just played uh, uninspired football is what I would call it. If you are Navy, the good things to look at is you minimized your errors. You looked yes. a little bit better. You had one penalty for five yards. You only had one turnover, and you found a way to win. That's what you take out of that game. But I tell you what, they're not going to look at that film tomorrow or t- tonight or tomorrow morning. They're not going to look at that film and think that they've turned the corner. They're going to look at that film, and they're they're going to know they still got a long way to go if they want to get close to 500 this season. If they want to win a couple more conference games, so yeah, I'm still a little bit bearish on on Navy. Uh, I, I think that was I hate to say this about Navy, but I think that was a little bit more about East Carolina than it was about Navy. What about you, Steve? I, I, I tend to agree with you. I do want to I do want to give a, a shout out to Nicholas Straw though, uh, the linebacker for uh, for Navy who had uh, quite the afternoon uh, in East Carolina. I saw six tackles, uh, two solo. One of them was for a loss. And get this, 10 passes defensed. A linebacker with 10 passes defensed. The, uh, the middies had 13 PDs, and 10 of them came from, from that linebacker. So he was doing, he was all over the place uh, on defense trying to make it work. And so I got to give him a ton of credit. Called his name a lot during the broadcast, Steve. But I, when I saw that on the, the the box score on the stat sheet after the game, I thought it was a misprint. You don't ever. I mean, you rarely even see ten pass breakups from a defensive back in a I mean, season. Much less a, in a, yeah, much less a game, and it comes from a linebacker in this case, Mike. I mean, this that I seriously thought that there was a misprint that whoever the official statistician, and I would never question one of those because I've been one. I know you got Steve is from you know. Never would, but I just had to do a double take. Just like, wow, hold on, wow. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a good point. I think when we talk about Army, Navy, Air Force, I think we oftentimes focus maybe too much on the offense. Navy's yeah. defense, and, and admittedly, I know I'm a little, still a little bit bearish on the Navy football team, but admittedly, their defense looked looked much improved on Saturday, far more improved than their offense. So, like like I said, when they go back into that film session, the Navy defense will have a lot of things that they want to sustain and build upon more so than those in the offensive meeting room. So, yeah, great point, Steve. The defense did look pretty pretty good against what could be an explosive and very talented East Carolina offense. They held them in check. But, but again, you know, just I, I got to throw that word of caution out there. The East Carolina offense just looked out of sync. Navy's defense played great. They played well, a lot of things to build on. But again, I think that was probably more about East Carolina than it was about Navy, unfortunately, for the mids. 
Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that too. All right, we got to give out some game balls. We'll do that here in just a second. A reminder, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Yards and Stripes. Certainly, if you want to download, listen, and subscribe, we would love for you to do so. Hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can, if you're not an Apple user, you can go to Spotify. That's another great way to listen to us. If you are an Android user, any and all ways where you can listen to your podcast that you do on your smartphone, you can get Yards and Stripes. Just search Yards and Stripes on the app of your choice or College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Either way, you will get us as we bring you a new episode every single Tuesday during the college football season, but we'll come back. We will give out our game balls this week. We got our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment. We got to look ahead to our upcoming games this week and including the first installment of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy in 2022. We'll do that just a second here on Yards and Strikes, your home for Service Academy football. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, time to give out our game balls. I'm going to go first this week. I usually allow my guys to uh, to go first, but I'm going to I'm going to take the swing this week. I'm going to go with my game ball this week to Navy senior kicker Daniel Davies. I mentioned the unlikeliest hero on Saturday night. Never attempted a, a, a field goal, a point after the senior comes in, kicks three field goals, a big one at the end to get it to overtime, and then another one uh, to win the football game uh, with 29 from 29 yards out is then East Carolina would miss. So that stood up as the game-winning field goal. Interesting note that Davies did punt in 2020, punted the ball 44 times during that, you know, that COVID season as a sophomore, but had never kicked but comes into the game and is the unlikeliest of hero as Navy gets their first victory of the season. My game ball, Navy senior kicker, Daniel Davies. Mike, why don't you fire it away next, my man? Prize, my game ball goes to Air Force offensive coordinator Mike Thiessen. Air Force had 10 offensive drives in that game. Field goal, touchdown, 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 kneel down for half, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, kneel down to win the game. It was Kofaxian in nature. It was a perfect call. The offense was clearly prepared uh, off of their two weeks of of, uh, uh, of practice. Uh, the offense looked great. So I'm giving my game ball to Air Force offensive coordinator Mike Thiessen. Just a dominant offensive performance all the way around. Play calling, execution, preparedness. It, it was a thing of beauty to watch. All right, Steve, far away. <laughs> you said go faxy and you made my <laughs> baseball heart flutter. Uh <laughs> My, my game ball will go to the Air Force offensive line. You heard Mike mention all of those drives and everything leading to points except for the two drives that ended the half and ended the game. But I was looking 75 rushing plays uh, in this game, and they had four negative plays. That is just a fantastic uh, stat for the offensive line, meaning everything is moving downhill, and that is exactly what you want from your offensive line. So I'm going to go with the Falcons' O-line, the big uglies here in their win uh, over Nevada for my game ball. Well, there's our game balls for this week. We will do it again next week as we give out our game balls every single week. We think made the biggest difference in 
the biggest games when it comes to service academy football. But when we come back, we're going to do our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. Then we'll look ahead. I got a few news and notes to pass along. Then we got a couple games to preview, including Army back in action and also the first installment of the Commander in Chief Trophy 2022. We'll do that when we come back here on Yards and Strikes, your home for service academy football. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. All right, time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero who has given that ultimate sacrifice for our nation and for our freedoms. And the Travis Manion Foundation, as I tell you every week, is is making a difference in communities all across the country. And this month, you can run, walk, or ruck in the 9-11 Heroes Run to honor a first responder, uh, one, a military hero, somebody you know, a family member, who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And you know, this week, we are going to honor a member, Justin R. Davis, from Gaithersburg, Maryland. A private first class from the U.S. Army died in the Korangal outpost in Afghanistan on June the 25th, 2006, when he came in contact with indirect fire while on patrol during combat operations. And Private First Class Davis, he was assigned to the 1st Battalion, 32nd Infantry Regiment, and was assigned uh, to out of Fort Drum, New York. And he was just 19 years old when he gave the ultimate sacrifice. He was awarded the Army Good Conduct Medal, a National Disservice National Defense Service Ribbon, the Army Service Ribbon, and a host of other decorations for his service. Justin is survived by his father, Dennis Johnson, and his mother, Paula Davis. Justin loved martial arts and joined the Army in June of 2005 and was deployed less than a year later in February of 2006 when he was deployed that first time to Afghanistan near the Kunar province. And his mother, Paula, said, quote, he was passionate about joining the service. He would always say, this is my dream. I am going to follow it. He died doing what he loved, end quote. Again, that was his mother, Paula Davis. And the Travis Manion Foundation honored Private First Class Justin Ray Davis through the Character Does Matter program on August the 12th, 2011, when his story inspired 260 students at Strawberry Mansion High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And once again, if you want to uh, sign up to participate in uh, in something going on in a community near you, the Travis Mannion Foundation has an array of activities that are going on. Just go to travismannion.org where you can learn a lot more about the Travis Mannion Foundation, where you can join the mission, and where you can donate to help others develop character in future generations in communities across the country. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. 
continuing on with my man Steve Carney and Mike Loveall. Excited to be with you guys again. Mike Price Atkinson here. And before we get going and talk about our games this weekend, as well as a couple notes to pass along, let me tell you about BetUS.com. With the college football season underway, we all know you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, and that's BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry? For over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Well, we want you to go with and go to betus.com and take advantage of an offer we have for our listeners from College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Let me explain, peeps. Put 100 bucks in, you get an additional 125 to play with. 200 initially deposited, that's going to get you 250 and so on. It's that easy. And BetUS also has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, which is just around the corner. And the NBA is about to start up here later in October, as well as almost any other sport you can think of or wager on, BetUS has it. Regardless of the sport, we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS.com. Check them out at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Bet US, you bet, you win, you get paid. All right, a couple news and notes to pass along. No surprise here, Brad Roberts, the Air Force fullback, named the Mount West Offensive Player of the Week this week for his outstanding Saturday or Friday night against the Nevada Wolfpack. Also mentioned during our game ball segment as well, Navy kicker Daniel Davies named the American Athletic Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. And not last but not least, Air Force's game on Saturday, October the 8th at Utah State. That's going to be a kickoff at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. in the East. That game going to kick off on Fox Sports 1 again, a 5 p.m. local kickoff, Mountain Standard Time. Air Force at Utah State on Saturday, October the eighth. Hey, Price, right. I, I know I know that we'll talk about that one here uh, in a couple of weeks, but that that is one of those matchups that really could have a big factor in deciding who's playing for a Mountain West championship this year. And so I think it's pretty smart of them to to move that into a prime time on the East Coast uh, sort of matchup there, and and to have. Uh, the Aggies in in that spot as well. Uh, you know, those are those are two teams that not a lot of people, especially here on the East Coast, will take a will be looking for. But uh, giving them an opportunity to get as many eyeballs as possible, I think it's a smart move by Fox. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And Mountain West, you know, Utah State out of the Mountain West, a lot of people, you know, that's one of the Mountain West teams that you know you think about Boise, you think about. Colorado State, Air Force. I mean, there, there are plenty others. Uh, but Utah State is not one that, you know, comes to everybody's, you know, the, their fingertips when they think about the Mountain West Conference. And, you know, it, this was a game last year that I know Air Force wanted back more than anything because they, in a shootout, 49 to 45, in a game that they led, you, the Aggies came back and won that game. That kept Air Force out of the Met Mountain West Conference championship game last year. So there's going to be revenge, certainly. I know different season, you know, different things, different scenarios, but this is going to be a game that Air Force is licking their chops to play again. 
But uh, Utah State, a, a, a very well-coached football team, a team that scores a heck of a lot of points. And, you know, off to a one-in-three start this season, not the best, but it's that, that game will have an impact. You can bet your bottom dollar that it will have an impact on the Mountain West Conference, especially as it pertains to the Air Force Falcons. All right, um, before we go on and look at our two games this weekend, real quick, I know we like to do, we did it last week, we'll do it again. Georgia Tech's going to make a move. They obviously um, got rid of Jeff Collins, also their athletic director, Todd Stansberry. Again, Troy Calhoun, Jeff Munkin, names mentioned along with a host of others. I don't think there was, you know, there is basically there was who was not mentioned, you know, for the job and, you know, and up and coming coaches, coaches that are having success at, you know, smaller, you know, non power five schools. You know, I think this one is interesting, though, because obviously Paul Johnson, who was, uh, you know, triple option disciple, Jeff Munkin worked for several years uh, at the Naval Academy with, with Coach Johnson. Clearly, uh, Troy Calhoun running his similar um, triple option running, run oriented style. You know, we know Calhoun's been mentioned at several places. Uh, Munkin, along with his uh, his cousin Todd, also mentioned as a possible candidate for the job. Would this be a move that you look at? I, I know you typically like to go against the grain in terms of, okay, if you went offense last time, you go defense the next time. Is it? Georgia Tech is a very – it's a tough job uh, in the ACC. People say it's in the heart of Atlanta. It's a different – it is not as easy of a job as it once was. The way you recruit nationally, I think that the way the transfer portal has made it an even tougher job. Um, you're basically recruiting a lot of Atlanta private school kids that, you know, the Stanfords, the Northwesterns, the Wake Forest are going after. I think it's a harder job, but is this a job that you might look and say, look, we hadn't been competitive whatsoever under Jeff Collins. Do you look at maybe going back to the triple that Paul Johnson ran just not that long ago, Mike? No, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on a couple points there, Price. Uh, one, I, and we talked about this last time. I think Tory Calhoun and Jeff Munkin are both great coaches. I think a lot of schools will call them and look at them. Um, and, and for good reason. I don't think Georgia Tech will. I think Georgia Tech, uh, while they while they enjoyed uh, a reasonable level of success under Paul Johnson, I, I think when you when you leave that flex bone offense, it takes a while to transition. I think a lot of Georgia Tech people will probably uh, think that the reason Jeff Collins failed is because he wasn't able to get good footing coming out of the Paul Johnson era, which is a fair point. And, and well, it is it is a fair point, uh, but I think if you look at uh, I think if you look at Georgia, I think their Georgia Tech I think is too close to the end of the Paul Johnson era to go back to the well on that. But here's the other thing I wrote about this at, at last word on college football, uh, where I write I, I think Georgia Tech is a great job. You're you're in the heart of Atlanta, right? Maybe except for L.A. and Dallas-Fort Worth, the best recruiting hotspot in the nation with, with, with a level of talent and kids, you've only got two Power 5 programs within less than three hours from you. Georgia's an hour and a half to two hours to the east, and Auburn's two, two and a half hours to the southwest. So, yeah, everybody comes in there. I got it. Distance isn't a big issue these days. But still, you're the only Power 5 program in one of the nation's premier recruiting grounds. You have history, right? Georgia Tech's got a fantastic history. They even have a national championship in the last 30 years. There's a lot of schools that can't say that. 
they are academic based, but they're a large enough school that they don't have to have the, the, this the strenuous standards like Vanderbilt or Northwestern or Stanford. I, I don't think they're to that level. I think with the right guy and and uh, my last point is and they play in the ACC, so the ability of a good coach to get traction early is not going to be nearly as hard as it is in the SEC or the Big Ten. I think with the right guy. Georgia Tech could be a really good job. Kids will want to play in the ATL, the 404. And you know who that right guy is? I'll tell you right now who the right guy is. It's Deion Sanders. Bring that guy in, and I'm telling you, within two to three years, Georgia Tech will be making noise on the national scene. Now, I know I know, we're a little bit away from Service Academy football right now. I just had to get that off my chest with today's news of Jeff, Jeff Collins uh, uh, leaving Georgia Tech. And it only took this long because – the president of the school system was out of country for two weeks. Uh, this would have happened last week had he been here. Uh, the rules of Georgia schools say the president has to be there on site to do that. But anyways, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, Dion at Georgia Tech, I think would be good for the sport of football, and I think it would be good for Georgia Tech. I, I love that idea. I, I love the fact that you could have Deion Sanders going back to Atlanta where he made his name as a professional going into a uh, historic – uh, uh, team like Georgia. I mean, come on. I, what do we What do we know about Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech had John Heisman as its head coach. They beat Cumberland College two hundred and twenty two to nothing. That I mean, that those are those are facts, and those are moments that that people still now a hundred plus years on remember about Georgia Tech. But they will. But they could also go. You know what? I would love to see Deion Sanders in there and bring in some history for Georgia Tech. Go and get Megatron. If there is anybody that can get kids to go to Georgia Tech, it is Calvin Johnson. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got a gold jacket, too. And I would love it. Could you imagine how many kids and, and more importantly, how many kids parents would have their eyes the size of dinner plates and their mouth hanging down? around their ankles to see two guys with gold jackets show up in their uh, in their living room you wouldn't you can't tell me you couldn't recruit with those two guys price you're within walking distance of the varsity this is not an easy recruiting cell you're literally within walking distance of the varsity yeah i i just i i disagree with both of you i think this is a much harder job than anybody realizes the academics i know everybody's gonna say gets well a, you can get it who gets you a want hell in there. Of- it gets a hell of a lot easier if you've got if you've got cachet coming, and Deion think, Sanders and Calvin Johnson would do that. I don't think Deion Sanders fits one bit. I think Jamie. I would call Jamie Chadwell, and he's the only guy I would call. That would be the guy who I think fits like a glove with everything that you want at Georgia Tech. I'm but sorry, who's, who's who's Jamie Chadwell again? <laughs> I I know who uh, I, I and yes, I know who Jamie Chadwell is, but I. Uh, but you, there's a big difference. Not Deion Sanders. That's the point. The, exactly. Exactly. Jamie Chadwell may be a good coach. He's not Deion Sanders. You've got to make a splash if you're Georgia Tech. That's a splash. Yeah, uh, I think anywhere that Deion lands would be a splash. There, I mean, he's going to wherever he goes from Jackson State. It's going to be big time splash and dash. I don't. I don't care where it, it could be. At, um Florida State, Georgia, pick the opening. I mean, it's it's going to be 
it's going to be front page big time news wherever you know coach you know prime time wherever he goes but let's get back on the rails here with service academy football because as we just mentioned jamie chadwell um who whipped georgia state on saturday 41 to 24 i don't know if you saw some of the comments and the fire he was breathing after that game after beating georgia state well now georgia state's going to be heading up to west point going to be heading into mikey stadium saturday a 12 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Network. 0-4 Georgia State taking on Army 1-2. Guys, the last line I've seen, 7.5 Army's giving to Sean Elliott's team, former offensive line coach at the University of South Carolina, now the head man at Georgia State. Thoughts on this matchup? I think that Army rolls. I think they roll in a big way. Yeah, you, you talked about the, the spread. It, it, very interesting movement. This game opened 6.5. Uh, Sunday afternoon. By Sunday evening, it was already at ten and a half. That that was mm-hmm. DraftKings and Caesars. That's a huge swing for the first night. It's back down to seven and a half. So that th- there's a lot of action on this game for it to be zero and four Georgia State at one and two Army. Uh, so interesting. Uh, you know, if if you look at the book, some interesting action on this book. Georgia State. I think the best comp for Georgia State is is uh, their uh, their uh, quarterback is they're they're kind of similar to TSA. Uh, if you remember the TSA game, uh, their quarterback Darren Granger is is kind of I want to say a poor man's Frank Harris, but but uh, you know kind of a lesser, uh, maybe not as accomplished as the UTSA quarterback. He is mobile. Uh, he has a almost 200 rushing yards in four games. So he's averaging just under 50 yards a game. Uh, he does have passing capability, but he's only passing at 52%. If you're going to go against that Army defense and success, if you looked at Coastal Carolina, the passing attacks that have success against Army are the ones that have accurate quarterbacks. Army has enough talent on the backside to prevent the deep strike capability, but if you're an accurate passer um, like Coastal Carolina's passing attack, then you have a chance to kind of put drives together against Army's defense. I don't think Georgia State's going to be able to do that. I think Army's going to get healthy. We'll see. Coach Munkin has his uh, press conference tomorrow. We'll see if he has an update on Jacoby Buchanan. Army's had the bye week to prepare, another home game, noon there at Mikey Stadium. I like Army to cover uh, the 7.5-point spread. Even if it goes back up to 10.5, I like Army to cover that. Uh, Georgia State uh, lost after a good showing against North Carolina in week two, only losing by seven. Again, North Carolina was coming off that emotional uh, first game for them. Uh, they lost, uh, Georgia State lost in the third week to Charlotte, which other than Hawaii might be the worst program in FBS. So Georgia State's going in one direction, Army's going in the other. I like Army by probably two, two to three touchdowns in this game. Steve, the series tied one and one. They, they've only played two games, 2019, uh, when Army fell 28 to 21. And then last season when the Black Knights dominated Georgia State 43 to 10 getting ready for this game on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would like to thank Mike for mentioning the worst teams in FBS and not mentioning the team that I work for. Uh, I I appreciate that uh, immensely. But uh, he may get a buy for almost taking Florida to overtime. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You know, he mentioned mentioned Darian Granger uh, and the fact that he is mobile. The problem is, is he throws – in the uh, the term uh, that I like to use, soul-crushing interceptions for Georgia State. Every time that he's thrown an interception, it has led to bad 
things for Georgia State, and he's done it four times so far in four games. I would expect that the Army secondary has looked at the tape and is and has seen uh, holes where they can kind of uh, pick their pick their uh, chance to attack, uh, so to speak. And, and I see Granger throwing another soul crushing interception or two uh, at Mikey Stadium. All right, again, Army hosting Georgia State, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on CBS Sports Network. Also at 12 noon on the big CBS, the first leg of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy in 2022, the one and two midshipmen going to three and one Air Force. Again, a 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. local time kickoff, Mountain Standard Time there in Colorado Springs. I've seen the Falcons, the latest I've seen, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, giving 15 points in this matchup. Yeah. Uh, Going to be the 55th all-time meeting in a series that Air Force leads 32-22. and 22. Air Force 19-7 at home versus Navy. The Falcons have won two straight in the series and three of the last four. They've also won four straight at home versus the midshipmen. Ironically, last year, a 23 to win, uh, 23 to three win for Air Force in Annapolis. Not sure if you guys remember this game. I mean, one of the most lopsided. The score doesn't even indicate how lopsided it was. But the the win for Air Force going into Annapolis last year snapped an eight game winning streak by the home team in the series. It was played in late November last year because they couldn't play early uh, as, as they had planned. But Navy was held to just 68 yards of total offense. Air Force held them to six first downs. The mids were just one of 12 on third down. I'm, guys, this could not have been more lopsided uh, it, than 23 to three. That score just does not indicate just how bad last year was. The winner of this game has gone on to win 21 of the last 25 Commander-in-Chief trophies. We'll see if that's the case again. All I know is that Navy's going to have to find some uh, points because they've only scored 10 points against Air Force in the last two years combined. Yeah, and I looked at it uh, going back, and one of the other things that uh, I don't, I, I didn't hear you mention is the fact that Navy was 1 for 12 on third downs last year in that game. It is very, very tough to sustain drives when you are not able to, get, to convert on third down. Uh, they were better against East Carolina. Uh, the over-under on this game I saw was 37 and a half, uh, which uh, I probably would still take the under on that, mm-hmm. um, even with a, with a 15-point uh, defi- uh, line, a 37 and a half. You know, I, I, I really do think that this is probably going to be 27-10. Uh, that would be my guess at, at a number here in this game. So. Uh, yeah, I would definitely go with Air Force. They're just, they're better on offense. They're better on defense. They're better in special teams. And right now they're, and they're better coached. So you, you've got all four of those aspects. It should be an easy win. This could not come into worse. This could not come into worse time for Navy. They get a big upset win on the road against East Carolina. They think they're building some momentum. They have a fairly clean game. Again, one penalty, one turnover. And they did what they found a way to win. Now they got to travel out to the Mountain West. They got to travel 10 o'clock game, 10 o'clock in the morning game against a team that quite frankly is more talented. Uh, is just like Steve said, more talented team, better coach, well-prepared. Uh, it, this is going to be tough for Navy. I, I just, I don't, I don't see where Navy 
gets uh, enough points. I don't see where Navy builds enough momentum and confidence to go in there and beat Air Force. Uh, everybody on that team that's playing is going to remember last season. They're going to remember. They're, they're going to know what they're up against. Uh, and, you know, I think they're looking at that one in three record uh, in in the face, and they they know what they got to. Uh, they know what they're going to face when they go out to Colorado Springs. I think Air Force uh, is looking good. I think they got healthy last week. Um, and, and, and I think they're going to come into this game uh, with something to prove. They're going to look to repeat what they did last year. Uh, just could not come in. The situation could not be worse for Navy coming off that big upset win. Having to travel out to Air Force, having to play a team of this caliber, a team that practices against the same offense they run, a team that practices against a quarterback that's better than their quarterback, that practices against a B-back that's better than their B-back. Air Force is I, – I, I like Air Force big in this game. Brad Roberts, ninth in the country in rushing yards, 465, third in rushing touchdowns with seven. Uh, might one thing to, to watch in this game be Air Force, we know, is the nation's top rushing offense at 412 yards a game. Um, maybe it's a misnomer in terms of who Navy has played. Right now, Navy ranks fifth in the country in rushing defense, giving up just 69 yards per game on the ground. Um the problem is, you know, that at least if it's a problem for Navy is that they can that Air Force can throw the football and they can do it over the air through the air when they need to. I know that they they rank third nationally in yards per completion at twenty four point eight yards per game. I, I know they're not going to throw it around and throw the pill a lot. One interesting thing to too, when these service academy teams match up, they know each other so well. They've all recruited pretty much most all of the same players to come to their respective institutions. It's always like the little wrinkles that teams save up for this game to try and show them a little something different just because they know each other so well, especially a couple coaches in Coach Niamatololo and Troy Calhoun, who've been around the game, I believe, both of them in their top 25 in, in, in uh, wins in terms of head coaches, uh, active head coaches. The little things that you might see, that the, the little wrinkles that you might try and catch them off guard. Um, I remember one year, Air Force came out in um, in a in a in a spread option offense that Navy really didn't know was coming. Um, that was several years ago at a game I was at in Annapolis. Um, you know, what are the little wrinkles that each team might dial up on Saturday? I don't. Yeah, it was, yeah. I I don't I don't know that Air Force is going to dial up anything i think if you i think if, if you're going to see that from either team it might be navy and again i've seen army do the same thing open and open a game they've opened an army mm-hmm. navy game in that in that kind of spread offense look and then they ran out of it it's just presenting a different look to the defense trying to confuse them i, I don't think air force does that. i think air force comes out and plays their game because air force knows if they play their game and execute well that game is theirs i'm not sure you're going to see navy do that either uh because i'm not sure navy has the personnel to, to do that. I, you know, if you have the right team, you can install a different look. Maybe you've installed it in the preseason. You just haven't, you just haven't uh, shown it yet on film. I, I just, I, I understand what you're saying, Price. Maybe Navy doesn't, maybe they come out and surprise, try to throw air force off, try to get a big play, you know, get some momentum early with, with a long touchdown or something. Uh, I definitely don't see air force doing it. I just, I just don't know that Navy, coming off a game where they finally found a little bit of focus, a little bit of momentum. I don't know that you want to put that in jeopardy by trying mm-hmm. something new against a team that you know, a team that you know is going to come at you for four quarters. Steve, I know that we you mentioned earlier 
we talk a lot about offenses in triple option when we talk about any of these three teams, you know, especially Air Force having scored at least 40 points at home in all three of their home games this season. And, you know, while they rank in the top 10 and third and fourth down conversions in the country, Navy's, I mean, the Air Force's defense has been as stout as ever, giving up 16 points, just 16 points a game, which is 21st uh, nationally. And they only give up 287 yards of total offense per game, which also that ranks in the top 20. And I mentioned earlier, Navy's only scored 10 points in the last two years. I know those are different seasons, but Navy exactly hasn't lit the scoreboard up this, this year either. This could be a game that we're talking about the Air Force defense that we, or at least we should be talking about when this game is all said and done, because I'm, I'm kind of of the belief of you guys. I think it's going to be probably a, a 28 to 10, 28 to seven kind of score. I don't think it's going to be lighting it up 40 plus like Air Force has done. Maybe they do. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring, but I still expect Air Force to win big. Yeah, I expect this one to be more of low scoring, mostly because both both of these teams are going to try and grind things out when that happens. You know, I don't think you're going to see uh, seven. You, you may not you may not even see 20 possessions total between the two teams. I, I, I really do think that there's there's going to be some it's going to be long drives, especially for Air Force because I have a feeling that Navy's going to be doing a lot of punting on Saturday <laughs> in, in, in Colorado Springs. Uh, but I, I just, I just feel like that, that defense is good. You're going to see the Navy defense get worn out. And I think you're going to see the, uh, the air force defense make some plays uh, against uh, Navy when they finally find themselves down, say 21 seven in the fourth quarter and looking to try and do something to get back into this game uh, and maybe, and maybe that's where you get a short field at that point. But yeah, I, I really do think that, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I hate saying it because I'm a Navy guy, but uh, you know, the, the midshipmen don't have the talent uh, to pull out the, the trick plays that, that you were talking about. We saw, yeah. we saw something very similarly in the pros uh, this past weekend here in Tampa with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers trying to pull out a double reverse when they've got their three top wide receivers out of the game uh, because of either injury or suspension. And you're, you've got guys like Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman trying to pull off a double reverse back to Tom Brady. Uh, man, you don't want that. And uh, unfortunately Navy's uh, offense, you would probably liken to, to Brashad Perriman or Scotty Miller instead of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin which is what I would I would uh, say is the Air Force offense equivalent. So we're all in agreement. Air Force is going to win this game comfortably in the first installment of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. For those scoring at home, just a little history here. Air Force leading the way in terms of Commander-in-Chief trophies won. Air Force with 20, Navy with 16, Army with 9 uh, in the Commander-in-Chief trophy history. Um, that's going to do it here, guys, on this episode of Yards and Stripes. Don't forget, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast network. You can follow on Twitter at Gridiron Coast. Also, make sure you download, hit that subscribe button. If you're an Apple podcast user at Yards and Stripes or at um, College Gridiron Coast to Coast, just search us right there on Apple Podcasts on Spotify, we're easy to find, College Gridiron Coast to Coast or Yards and Stripes, you will get a hit 
on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast every single week. All right. Again, we're thinking about everybody and uh, especially Mike, Steve, you guys down there in uh, Central Florida, Tampa, St. Pete, Ian, Hurricane Ian uh, going to be coming through a little bit later in the week. Also, everybody else just we hope everybody stays safe, enjoys the games this weekend. I know we're all going to be tuned in out unless you're an Army fan. I know even Army fans will be keeping uh, one eye on that game out in Colorado Springs as they both kick off at 12 noon on Saturday, Georgia State at Army and then Navy at Air Force. Until next week, folks, we appreciate you investing your time listening uh, to Service Academy Football. We are Yards and Stripes for Mike Loveall, Steve Carney, and Bryce Atkinson. Guys, we will talk to you next week. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.